It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Hey, Teresa, what fun things did you do last week? Graduation. Oh, yay. So Nick graduated from high school. Okay, cool. was, um, we got really lucky. The weather was beautiful. Oh, nice. It was sunny. It's always inspiring with all the speeches yeah. that they give. It was relatively short, so oh, that good. was a bonus. And then we went to his girlfriend's house. Everybody's all vaccinated, oh, and my yay. parents got to come, and her grandparents got to come. So it was just fun oh, getting good. together again. Yeah. Like a little glimpse into normalcy right. again. So that was fun. And then I had my tattoo touched up. Oh, yeah, And I, I see. added a little lotus. And so this tattoo artist that I happened to find close by was a Marine. Wow. So super impressive. Yeah. And obviously love that. Breast cancer survivor. And she wow. has helped um, tattoo replacement nipples for breast cancer survivors so yeah just super super neat lady fun to find her and i'm already plotting (laughs) my next tattoo so i know my family won't be excited about that but i am you know my husband ryan likes to surf as Mm -hmm. well as the Mm -hmm. kids and actually, uh, for summer solstice, which is today, June 21st. Which I totally forgot about. Yeah. So you reminded me of that. Yeah. To figure out something to celebrate quick. Ryan took uh, Riley, our oldest, surfing today out at Cannon Beach oh, in Oregon. Fun. So that was kind of fun. They go right off of Cannon? They go to Oswald State Park. Okay. The short sands. Short sands. Yeah. 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 But it's been kind of a tradition, starting when the kids were really little, mm-hmm. taking them to the beach for the day. Mm-hmm. Just something we did. It's a long day. Yeah. It's yeah. a long day. It's fun. Sweet. So Ryan told me about this nonprofit he read about called Waves for Water. It started back in 2009 by a pro surfer, John Rose. He was traveling as a pro surfer in Indonesia when a major earthquake hit, and he saw firsthand there wasn't clean water for the local communities. And he wanted to find a meaningful way to give back while doing what he loves, which is Mm -hmm. surfing. I think that's win win. I think it's totally yeah. I think it's really awesome. It inspired him to start Waves for Water to focus on aiding developing communities around the world to help provide clean water solution. So he wanted support at the local level, empowering and implementing sustainable programs to communities in need. He and his team really want to create a positive relationship with each community. And they provide filtration systems that are portable and easy to use and are really effective. One filter can provide 100 people with clean water, and that would last up to five years. Their program has two solutions, rainwater harvesting systems and then this portable water filtration. Mm -hmm. The rainwater harvesting collects rainwater from the roofs of homes and buildings, and then it's stored in a cistern or a UV-protected plastic tank. And over the past 10 years, they've implemented 155 clean water programs in 48 countries using water filtration systems. I feel like my grandma has something. I don't know what yeah. it is, but we were over at her house last yeah. weekend and trying to spray her patio off. Right. And there was, like, no pressure. And it, it came out of big drums. So I'm wondering if it's rainwater right, that's, that's being stored. Similar to this. Yeah, so, similar to that. Very cool. 
But anyways, this rainwater harvesting system has had a uh, positive impact on an estimated 3,750,000 people. The health benefits are huge. It's less money spent on medicine and Mm -hmm. clinic visits for um, waterborne illnesses such as cholera, salmonella, giardia, E. coli, or typhoid. It means less sick days for adults and kids. Waste for Water has responded to also 33 major disasters to date, like Nepal and Bosnia, Philippines, Indonesia, Haiti, Japan, Chile, and Pakistan. I I just love the spirit of this nonprofit. Do what you love and help along the way. So whatever it is, sail, bike, Mm -hmm. surf, hike. Bob Marley. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And find find that purpose. Mm -hmm. They're making humanitarianism a lifestyle versus like just doing good. Mm -hmm. You know? I love that. And I love that your husband, so last week it was on the the humor, you know, humor being so important. He came through again. Yes, he did. They have really cool ways to get involved. One's this courier project where a person can volunteer to travel and surf and have an impact. You know, they gather donations that allow them to travel and deliver these filtration mm-hmm. systems. And they get to and surf. And then surf on their, yeah, yeah which is vacation. super cool. That's awesome. They also have a Clean Water Corps, which is a veteran-based uh, clean water task force. I just love how they're offering an opportunity for veterans to use their military training and skills for a global issue. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Very We'll have information about Waves for Water on our website at tangentialinspiration.com. I love finding new things like that. First off, I want to thank you for loaning me Thirst by Scott Oh my gosh, Scott I didn't Harrison. loan it to you. I saw that and oh, you... The water. <laughs> water like the Today Show. It just... I was drawn to it, and so I had to grab it for you. Oh. So, no, it's not on loan. That's yours. Well, thank you. So, Scott Harrison is the founder and COO of a nonprofit charity, Water. And I got to say, it was just what I needed. It's funny because, seriously, the day before he gave me the book, I was feeling down and really uninspired. Mm-hmm. And I prayed for my perspective like to change. Like, I need to be inspired by something, anything. And then I sat on the book for a week until I picked it up and began reading it. And it was one of those books I seriously couldn't put down. Like, my head was hurting because I wanted to keep reading. Mm-hmm. My eyes were hurting. Too but, late. But, yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah, it totally inspired me. Thirst is Scott's story about what led him to founding Charity Water. It's a bit of a roller coaster ride. He gets cra- it's crazy and messy, and then it totally turns, and he finds focus and passion that's redemptive. It's the ultimate prodigal son story. Hmm. Yeah. He was born and raised in New Jersey. He's an only child. He remember um, from just from a like is he close to our age? He's or? Um, born in seventy five. So, okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. We'll just go with yeah. He's yeah, close he's to our age. He, I'm older, but okay. <laughs> At least I'm not <laughs> to the point where I could be the mom, but I could be <laughs> a big sis. So close enough. He's yeah. close enough to our age. But he recalls like when his parents became Christians when he was about four, mm-hmm. that being a big thing in his life. And then around the same time, his mom became unexpectedly ill. And it took his dad and their physician like a long time to figure out that she was being poisoned by a natural gas leak in their house. Hmm. And uh, and she was the only one affected. Because the dad was at work all day and he oh, was at school. Okay. You know, gotcha. so that's what okay. they had minimal exposure but her illness resulted in becoming sensitive to all sorts of foods and mm-hmm. scents. 
Mm. The family would wash their hands in the garage and put on clean scrubs to avoid making her sick with fumes and scents. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she was so sensitive she wore a gas mask. And then at times she'd be outside in the backyard in like this makeshift lean-to with her special foods. Mm. Just, you know. Just to get out of the house. Just to be out of the house. So it's... It's well, pretty sad. Those are drastic measures. Yeah. I mean, that means I've you're heard not of that, in. people getting poisoned. But Scott's dad was so supportive and tried to make the best of the situation. His parents sent him to a Christian school in the basement of a local church, like K through eight. Mm-hmm. But by the time he had high school, he rebelled and wanted to go to public high school. He was just going through that major teen angst, yeah. turning away from his Christian upbringing, even throwing it in his parents' face a little bit, you know? <laughs> Uh, his parents worried, still try to encourage him along the Christian path. But during high school, he joined a band with kids from his school, which led him to move into New York City after graduation mm-hmm. to pursue a musical career, which mm-hmm. I have to laugh because every kid's dream, right? I mean, back to Ryan, <laughs> he had similar dreams when I met him. He had all that musical recording equipment. So, like, you know. Guitar or what did he? You know, oh, like. Keyboard? Keyboards on friends. But you could actually, like, record different stuff to to record. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, after giving music a go, he ended up being a nightclub promoter because music didn't Mm -hmm. pan out. Mm -hmm. And he was the guy that brought the famous people into the nightclub, the models, the actors, the fashion designers like Calvin Klein. Mm -hmm. He was good at hustling. He got paid $2,000 a week to be seen drinking Bacardi and Budweiser. Hmm. It's so crazy. He was living a hard life, drinking, smoking, doing drugs. As he said in the book, it's booze, models, repeat, something like that. (laughs) He slept during the day and worked at night. It was a crazy, intense lifestyle, taking its toll on on Scott's well-being. He kept in touch with his parents, and they kept asking him and encouraging him to go to church. At one point, his dad told him about Models for Christ. Hmm. It's yeah, it's a group encouraging spirituality among fashion professionals. So I'm not a model, so I'm not yeah. why I haven't heard yeah. of it. But his parents are always supportive of him. You know, maybe not liking his choices. But after seven years of this hard living, he started experiencing this unexplainable feeling of numbness, physically and spiritually. He went to see a doctor to figure out the loss of feeling in his arms and other parts of his body. They did, like, tons of tests, an MRI, and nothing was found. So he thought, oh, I'll just cut back on drinking and smoking. <laughs> and around the same time, his dad... Seven years of that, though, would take its toll that's, on Yeah. I mean, that's a lot and of abuse. The, the terrible hours and all yeah, of that. Yeah, and sleeping yeah. those off hours, you know. But around the same time, his dad gave him the book Pursuit of God by Tozer. And he read about faith is defective as a result will be, you'll have this feeling of numbness. And he felt that Tozer was speaking to him directly that things can never satisfy our hearts. He finally checked out Models for Christ (laughs) and started listening to sermons on his iPad. Mm -hmm. And he just really wanted to change his life but wasn't really sure how. Mm -hmm. So one night he was out with a friend and they were at a nightclub and the bouncer was kind of giving his friend a hard time. So he knew the club owner Mm -hmm. and, and called and said, you know, fire the bouncer, which they did and so the bouncer was super angry and you know tried hunting him down with a gun oh my gosh and i think it was kind of like the turning point and he pretty much fled new york city for his parents house mm-hmm. and decided to pay back his his seven years of hard living to be you know to service and volunteer so one of his nightclub friends had a place in france where he mm. stayed looking for volunteer positions and i was really surprised that it took him a while 
to get one. Like, mm-hmm. you would think everybody would hire somebody to volunteer. I mean, mm-hmm. to get someone to volunteer. But he ended up getting a position as a photographer on Mercy Ships. It's a Christian-based nonprofit who specialize in maxillofacial conditions like cuff palates. Mm. And then other diseases and injuries to the head, neck, and jaw. So, like, the operation's mild. Yeah, exactly. It's like a... Ago. This is like a floating hospital. Mm-hmm. And so... Scott was on the ship Anastasia, which stopped along the Western African coastline to different villages. And his job was to photograph the patients for marketing materials. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was really hard for him. Tight quarters. Yeah. And being Christian-based, had all these rules. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't used to those. He wasn't used to those. But he embraced it, and he made some really good friends, one being the chief physician, Dr. Gary he was also his mentor. And Dr. Gary encouraged Scott and all the other volunteers to be like Mother Teresa, mm. you know, who cared for the lepers and orphans of Calcutta, mm. to go out and help the most vulnerable. And Scott really wanted to make a difference. He was really encouraging to patients and really connected with them. And it was hard seeing the hundreds of people lining up for this medical care as they came into port. And then they could only help so many. Oh, that, would- that would be, it'd be, it sounds horrible. And the experience really ignited Scott's faith. And he started praying regularly to God, asking, how can I help? And that Dr. Gary uh, instilled the words, actions, not words. I love that. I do too. That really spoke to me. I was like, yeah, it's really about what you do and not Mm -hmm. what you say. So he finished a year long with Mercy Ships and just felt like he wasn't, his education was incomplete. So he signed up for a second tour. While on break, he wanted to help raise awareness of what Mercy Ships was about and um, wanted to put together an exhibit in New York City. The exhibit would bring awareness with photos that he'd taken while aboard, telling the story of the people he met, and he wanted to raise money for surgeries. So that they could help more people. Yeah. Until get it. He had over 50,000 digital photographs. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Scott. Because you go so, through all of this. I know. <laughs> so he took them out to his you know nightclub friends, and mm-hmm. he received a great response. Showed the the photographs of the patients, and many of them cried and were like, what can I do to help? I just love his gumption to ask. He amazingly put together a two-week exhibition at Metropolitan Pavilion, free of charge. A friend helped him secure the venue. He named the exhibition Mercy. He wanted visitors to experience his story. So there's like one room with a video loop of patients just lining up, and another was um, a room with, with both the Liberia and U.S. flags were hanging side by side as sister countries because Liberia became a settlement of black slaves who fled mm. the U.S. during the Civil War mm. to escape social injustice and oppression. I didn't know that. In another room, photos of the most common diseases were displayed. Mm. It sounded incredibly intense and personal. Now, he had an extensive email list of celebrities uh, to bil- billionaires from his nightclubbing days. At the end of the event, he raised 96000 Wow. I know. That's pretty. He's And he was all just doing this in his spare time in between his gigs and, to and his next Mercy Exactly, thing. just over summer. After that, Scott was obsessed about putting together a bigger show, mm-hmm. maybe I in guess, Europe. Yeah. I just, I love his passion. During his second tour, he found his true purpose. While visiting Liberia, his roommate took him to meet Mama Vic. She was an extraordinary woman. Her husband was killed in a rebel coup Aww. as the Civil War broke out in 1990. And she began taking orphans in, and she would say yes to every child. She, at times, she'd be caring for 150 children. And how could she even care for that many? I know. It's and just feeding them. really incredible. Scott learns that the close-up 
public well uh, for the orphanage is a mile and a half away, which is a brutal hike daily during the you know for these kids mm-hmm. in the hot sun. So he wrote his aunt and uncle who liked to help those in need, and they sent him the money, which I think was like $2,500 to do this well. But he negotiated with the local construction company to get a deal on the culvert pipes and parts. It takes 30 days of digging to get deep enough. I'm sure the ground is To reach the groundwater, so yeah. yeah. And the final step is installing the hand pump. And Scott writes about how cool it was to see, you know, the toddlers to the elderly just watch that water flow mm-hmm. from the spout. I it's mean, like a little miracle, so, I'm sure. Oh, I'm it's sure. A movie. So yeah. awesome. I mean, I can't imagine the joy they felt. In the book, Scott writes that 52% of all illnesses in developing countries is a result of dirty water and lack of mm-hmm. sanitation. So it's like such a... Something so simple. Something that could be fixed. Easily. Scott found his purpose and mantra, one village at a time, one well at a time. He returned to New York City after his tour with Mercy Ships, and he kept in touch with Dr. Gary, opened a bank account, and started his own charity. This was a huge undertaking. Not really knowing where he began, he started reading nonprofit kit for dummies. <laughs> I love it. It's cute. And he wanted to find local partners in Africa who already had the local connections. He partnered with Healing Hands International in Ethiopia Concern Worldwide in Uganda and Water for the People in Malawi, and then Living Water International in the Central Africa Republic. It was so incredible to me at this time because he has no money. Mm-hmm. He is living. Fla- well, these were volunteer no, gigs. Yeah. I mean, he was just giving us time. Yeah. No place to live. He's walking <laughs> on his clubbing friend's apartment, which is also his office. So sometimes he'd have to be in the bathroom because the clubbing friend would have... Friends over. Not, yeah. But what, life. Yeah. But what does he do? He throws a party in a hot spot in the meatpacking district in New York City. He finagled the location, got a liquor sponsor who pitched in the alcohol. He invited celebrities, actors, movie directors. He collected just donations at the front and raised 15000 in one night. And that, wow. that was the beginning of Charity Water. His nightclubbing days of hustling really paid off. He's never shy to ask for help. He... Tracked down Terry George, who's a screenwriter of Hotel Rwanda, in like a restaurant uh, to get you know, to pitch this idea of shooting a public service mm-hmm. announcement. I'm just picturing him, you know, in the restaurant. And but. he said yes, and he even got the director even got Jennifer Conley to star in it. So the shoot would be these wealthy New Yorkers collecting disgusting water and carrying it back and serving it to their kids in their super nice mm-hmm. Tribeca loft. Mm-hmm. So outside the box. But probably exactly what they need to see. see. Yeah. So. Yeah. And to top it off, another nightclub friend put him in touch with American Idol producers who ran a 60-second ad during the show for free. That time slot is normally like a million dollars. Yeah, I was going to say that's huge. It's huge. You know, and he really wanted to change the way people viewed charities. I mean, historically, charities, mm-hmm. the messaging has been based on guilt like Sally Struthers or... I hate to say it, but Sarah McLaughlin too was. I mean, the animals. Yeah, the animals. I, know. I mean, or he the was, children that they have flies. Yeah, and, yeah. I I totally understand what he's saying. He wanted people to feel good about donating mm-hmm. and helping those in need and bring joy. He experienced a lot of growing pains trying to grow and sustain his nonprofit. Uh, he started with a team of three, one being his future wife mm. Victoria, and one of his goals from the beginning was to have a hundred percent of the donations go directly back to the field. 
which made it so difficult to run a nonprofit, you know, it took him a while to figure out to pay for the operational costs. At times, he'd have close to a million dollars in donations, but no money for operational costs. And it was scary. He talks at one point of desperation, getting on his hands and knees and, you know, praying. He decides to cold email Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. Gutsy. I know. Tom Anderson of MySpace and Michael Birch of the UK, is it Bebo or Bebo? Uh, that's their social media. Mm. He, his email told a story of traveling around Africa, becoming sick of people dying from bad water, and decided to do his part. Michael Birch emailed him back and wanted to meet him and eventually was a big supporter and donated a million dollars. All from that cold email. Yeah, from that cold He's just asking. Yeah. I'm always afraid to ask. Yeah. So I just find that so incredible. But the worst they can say is no. Exactly. Uh, and it's so ironic because Michael Birch is an atheist. Kind of funny who God <laughs> sent to help, you know? Because he had been praying. And yeah. Then... Kind of funny. Event- God has a sense of humor. He does I mean, have he a really sense does. of humor, yeah. Eventually, another mentor uh, came along and suggested he put together a fund specifying that the monies go to fund operational costs, and he named it The Well, which I love that, you know, play Mm -hmm. on words. I admire his transparency. He also wanted the donor to know specifically what their donation went toward. He would send an email back with a picture of the well, often a video clip of the construction you know, to the donor, mm-hmm. so they would know. And he was super savvy. He utilized Google Maps and was able to include, like, the GPS of the wells. And that got him thinking about the sustainability. So he had sensors manufactured for the well, so they could collect data about the status. Previously, a lot of good intention organizations would build wells, and then they'd stop functioning. They'd dry out. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the these people in these communities would be stuck with something that's not working. He did something really unique for his 32nd birthday that I love. He launched Born in the U, Born in September. I was going to say Born in the USA. I'm not like Bruce Springsteen <laughs> fan, but anyways, Born in September campaign. He encouraged people born uh, in September to give their birthday age in dollars to bring, oh, yeah, cool. yeah, to bring clean water to, I might not pronounce this right, Magatio Clinic in Kenya. The hospital was a maternity ward and an HIV AIDS counseling center lab and had dental services. In addition, they wanted to bring clean water to the nearby school and two other health clinics in the area, each well costing 40000 mm. That was their biggest undertaking so far, and their goal for, for one month was 150000 But so it turns out in one month, 94 people gave up their birthdays. I love this example of a seven-year-old boy in Texas went door-to-door oh. asking for his birthday money, and he raised 22000 oh Again, it's just asking, you yeah. know? And then an older woman named Nona, turning 89, asked her friends and family, <laughs> and she raised 159000 Wow. I just love the spirit of fundraising. Yeah. In 2009, they launched this My Charity Water beta. So you kind of could do whatever you want mm-hmm. for campaigns. And tens of thousands of people created these different ones. One that was really cool was this woman, Jenna Hassan, hiked Kilimanjaro with her father and raised 6526 from, you know, 70 friends. I just love his creativity. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Scott and Victoria also got invited to uh, the 2011 National Prayer Breakfast at the White House. Mm. And President Obama recognized their good work in this speech, which is so awesome. But wow. he writes in the book, they're just like blown away. They're just sitting mm-hmm. there and they, their names are coming up. I mean... It's just pretty... I have never... I mean, I'm obviously not anywhere near Obama, but I had never heard of this guy, so... Yeah. I think that's amazing that he did. 
These, this book is filled with so many incredible stories, but one that touched my heart deeply was this young girl named Rachel in Seattle. She learned about Charity for Water from a video at her church and decided to give up her ninth birthday. And I guess her two heroes were Lady Gaga and this Scott guy. <laughs> so I, I, had I to, love her already. I had to throw her in because I know you're a big Lady Gaga yeah. fan. You talked about her in yeah. episode 16. And a sweet girl. And she would be all about this. this. I mean, oh, she yeah. would definitely push this for sure. So Rachel's goal was $300. And unfortunately, she was in this horrible car accident and she died. And her mom mm-hmm. wanted her campaign to remain open just to kind of bring hope to this tragic situation. That says a lot about her mom. It says a lot about her mom. Even though she, Rachel didn't survive, her campaign touched a huge amount of people, strangers even. They say that they had this, they were watching it like on their computer. And at first they could recognize the people from their church mm-hmm. and friends. And then it became strangers. Mm. But she raised one million two hundred sixty-five hundred thousand eight hundred twenty-three. Yeah. And remind me how old she was? She was she nine. Was nine and for nine dollars. I know. Her and her mom goes back later and they go to a village in Africa and they do a well there. So and she gets to be a part of that kind of probably a really good memorial. Right. Yeah. That she lives on in that. It's well. really yeah, I think it was I think it was a nice way to have some some closure. A little bit of closure. But I have to laugh because in the book they talk more than Justin Bieber, who that year raised forty-seven thousand for I think it was his seventeenth birthday, which is crazy. Still a lot, yeah, a yeah. lot of money. But she, yeah, she beat the Biebs. She beat the Biebs, yeah. Scott's story gave me so much hope and joy. I just love his crazy ambition and just never quitting and entrepreneurial spirit. I admire his ability to ask anyone. And I love his parents' support of him no matter what. It gave me hope to read, uh, you know, about how he turned away from his faith and then found it and was restored. I just look mm-hmm. at my kids that I'm putting them in these Christian schools and they're kind of turning away from their faith mm-hmm. they're, as they're getting older, you know, 18, Independence 17, and, and 19. Finding their own, forging their own path. But I think so it is normal. good. I think it's healthy. It as is healthy. painful as it is, but it's inspiring to see stories like this where right. you that see little the end seed. Of it. Yeah, yeah, that little seed was planted. And I learned, too, that charity is derived from the Latin caritas, meaning generous love. Oh, I love that. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. I was so amazed at Charity Water how much they've accomplished since they launched in 2006. So far to date, they've raised $550 million. 64,999 water projects have been funded. Wow. 12,736,998 people served. Uh, and that's out in 29 countries. It's just so, so impressive. Yeah, so many, so awesome how many people this nonprofit has touched. Not only the people they serve, but the donors. And then the people that, you know, support their friends and donate the money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really is a great example of the ripple effect. Absolutely. And I have to say... Um, you know, I know we've talked about this when we're out running, but I just love how much I'm learning. <laughs> With the podcast? Yeah. I know. Me too. Definitely. So, information about the, this book and nonprofit will be on our website at tangentialinspiration.com. Love cannot remain by itself. It has no meaning. Love has to be put into action, and that action is service. Mother Teresa. So I was talking about going to Nick's graduation. Oh, yeah. And it's always bittersweet. 
I know. Yeah. But it's impossible for me to reflect on things during that time without getting teary. And I came across a couple graduation stories, too, that added to my waterworks. There's a girl. You probably saw this on the news. Verda Teda. She's from Massachusetts, Fitchburg High School. And when she went up to receive her, she got was getting a scholarship. They were oh. going to give her ten thousand yeah. dollars for four years each year, wow. four years. So a total of forty thousand dollars. She's headed to Harvard to major in chemistry, and she's on a pre med track. Oh, that's awesome. But instead of accepting the scholarship, she wanted to give it to someone else in her class who's going oh. to a community college. So she was like, oh, "I'm, I'm grateful and appreciative of this, but I want to give it to someone else who needs it more." In part because her mother graduated from college, went to a community college, graduated yeah. at 47. Aww. So she had a heart, a sweetheart, heart, sweetheart. Yeah. But her, her quote was, I feel like God has gotten me this far and he'll take me the rest of the way. Aww. So she's like, I'd do it again, giving yeah. away her scholarship. So I just thought that was super so. cool. And then I saw this equally sweet story. <laughs> a young guy named Timothy Harrison of Cedar Point, Alabama. He fully intended to attend his graduation, and he got the day off of work and asked his supervisor permission. So when he arrived at work that morning at 7 at the Waffle House, his manager was like, what's going on? And he just explained that his family, they were all working, and the graduation was an hour away, so no one could take him. He was kind of stranded, so he's like, I might as well just go into work. And, of course, the supervisor... Was like, not going to have anything. Yeah. To anything. Then he said that um, he hadn't gotten a chance to even go pick up his graduation packet. So oh. he didn't have his cap, gown, or the oh, ticket no. to get yeah. to graduation. So the supervisor sets up for him to get a ride to go pick up his graduation packet, comes back to the Waffle House. He gets a new outfit. Oh, his co workers awesome. had gone out, gotten him a new outfit with some donations too from some patrons. So he has some, uh, you know, new clothes. He's got his um, graduation stuff. And then they organized for him to get a ride to graduation. And he barely made it by three. It was a long day. And they got a lot done in a short amount of time. Oh, wow. Those people get things done. They did. (laughs) Very sweet, though. And then that's not it. The news had run this story yeah. in Alabama. And the this guy was awarded a full scholarship at Birmingham's Lawson State Community College. Oh, that's so And cool. that's not it. Still, the supervisor joined him for a tour at the college. Oh. And he said that he was his full-time mentor. Oh. So he was, you know, talking about it takes yeah. a village to raise a, a child, and he's willing to help out to just keep this kid on the right track. I just oh. thought it was so... That is so cool. So many levels of sweetness. Yeah. So, love that. Very fun. And we chat about like we're gonna try to get to know what each other better. Well, it was sweet because your mother-in-law said yeah. that we should do an interview session. Right, right. And I just yeah, I think it, it'll be faster if we just do some quick fire questions at the end of some episodes. So I think it's gonna be fun. So what what was the last book you read? For fun. You are you 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 practically read it. You got the cliff notes. Uh Heaven is Here, Stephanie Nielsen. Okay, yeah. Really good, heart-wrenching book. Yeah. Young lady who had it all. She was a major Mormon blogger and had a horrific plane accident. Oh. She, they crashed and she, she was burned 80% of her body. But it's kind of her comeback journey. I love that her mom was just reminded her to share your hope. It's a really good book. It is a hard read. Yeah. But yeah, that was the last one. It it, it was well worth it. How about top five movies? Top five movies would 
definitely be first one. Mirror has two faces. Oh, Barbara Streisand. Okay, I haven't seen really that. Really movie. Have to watch. Fools Rush In. Starsky and Hutch. Oh yeah, that's definitely. Fun. It's a Wonderful Life. Jimmy oh, Stewart. I yeah. want to do an episode on Jimmy Stewart. Oh. Behind Enemy Lines. Too. Oh. I love Owen Wilson. Anything with Owen yeah. Wilson. Do you like Wedding Crashers? I do. It's not my favorite. Okay. But I do like it. I mean, it's yeah, funny. Yeah, I just put that just, out there. Yeah. yeah, it's a good movie, but it's how, not on my top five. How about last Netflix binge? Probably going back to New Girl. Okay. I mean, we've already yeah. watched it all, but we're kind of binging that. And also, um, my true binge would probably be Hoarders. Oh. Which... It's okay. all sorts of disgusting yeah. and weirdness, but I just, I can't look away. Right, It yeah. inspires me to clean. <laughs> so, and clean out and, and try to be a minimalist. How about last song on your playlist? The boys were teasing me about this, Blink-182. Okay. I think the song's called I Miss You. They were laughing that they had to listen to that when they were growing up. Oh. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I know it was Blink-182. How about favorite dad memory, since we're just coming <laughs> out Father's, Father's yeah, Day. Day month? My dad is a funny guy, <laughs> loves fishing and all of that. I think my favorite memories, oh, boy, he did try to teach me to water ski. Oh. I remember, you know, he was always like, let go of the rope. If you, and, yeah. and I was too scared, and I didn't want him yelling. And so they, it probably wasn't the best memories, but still now, hindsight, it was still oh. good memory. But I could always count on my dad with... I coached a swim team during the summer paying for college and like the kids on the team, my brother was, um, would swim. My sister would swim on the team and the parents would do this like parent relay and I could always depend on my dad and he was always the best anchor on the oh, team. Oh, nice. So that was always fun getting yeah. to brag about my dad. And then, um, some running events. Oh. <laughs> Probably, th- you know, my favorite, we did Mount Rainier to the Pacific. Very okay. Fun. Fun. He was sore and sat in his, um, uh, like lazy you know, chair. Right. The next. Afterwards. Uh, all week and after. And then uh, some Hood coast. Those were very fun. But my favorite is probably running the Starlight Run with Aww. my dad. My mom and I dressed as dogs. Oh, cute. And he was back holding us in his leash. Aww. So he was the only person that people could see I his face. It. So cute. <laughs> he's such a good, he's a good sport. Aww. So those are my favorite dad memories, I think. Thousands have lived without love. No one without water. W.H. Auden. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.